We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast is sponsored by Liquid Death. Are you thirsty? Parched? Do you like dark and eerie sinister names for your beverages? Then you'll love Liquid Death. Go to liquiddeath.com. Use the promo code BIGBLUE. Blue Wire. Welcome back. This is the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always by my co-host Nick Pilato. And today we are here to break down the Giants defense in the All-22 film. But before we get into any of that, we obviously have to address the elephant in the room. And that's Damar Hamlin and his family. Obviously, for those of you who are listening to the show, you're likely NFL fans. You were likely watching the game last night. Heartbreaking moment. Um, we juggled Nick and I back and forth if we should even do this show today. Uh, we both felt like it was still the right thing to do. Um, we don't know if that's insensitive. If it is, we do apologize for that. We are not trying to be that. We just felt like we have information we want to get out there. We have film we already broke down. So it was it was enough time, maybe. Uh, it's all unprecedented right now. We don't really know what to do. And I work for CBS Sports. Some of you might know that on the fantasy football side. There's a lot of discussions going on from that standpoint as well. So it's all of this is like so minuscule anyway in the in the grand scheme of things. The most important thing is Hamlin, his health, his family. I watched so many heartbreaking videos last night. This dude lost his father at 12 and became the man of the house. And like just I saw a video of him talking about that. He's obviously done a lot of things in the community to help out there as well. Stayed back home was a four-star recruit getting recruited from like Bama and Georgia and stuff. Stayed back to play for Pitt because he wanted to be close to home and his brother and his mom. So We'll see what happens on all of that, but I don't know, Nick, if you had any thoughts on that before we get into the Giants stuff. No, just best wishes to DeMar Hamlin and his family, and if anybody has the means and, and they want to, I would suggest to go to his GoFundMe. It's the Chasing M's Foundation Community Toy Drive. I believe it's a foundation that he started to help his mother's community toy drive. So great cause and everything like that for the for the general Pittsburgh and Pennsylvania area, right now there is over $4 million that have been raised since the injury, which speaks to the football community. And I just hope that the kid is okay and he can get up and, and play football once again or just be able to walk. I know back in hockey, I think somebody put this up and I saw yeah. it. I can't remember exactly. It was a Hall of Fame hockey player. A similar thing happened to him and he was able to return to the ice, which is, which is great. But at this point, we just hope that DeMar Hamlin is okay and he's going to be healthy. Yep, but... Let's talk about the Giants' defense on film today against the Colts. This was an interesting game, Nick. I, w- I said it to you before the podcast. 
it has to be probably the most boring film we've had. <laughs> and that's just to be, you know, that's probably not the best sell, but I think people who come here anyway are trying to hear the X's and O's and the in-depth stuff of it anyway. So they're not worried about, is it exciting? Is it boring? But the reason being is a good thing. One, the Giants held the ball on offense a lot longer and for a lot more than they have basically this whole season. And that impacted the fun on defense, right? We didn't have as many defensive plays. The other thing is the main thing here. This Colts offense in this game, Nick, reminded me so much, dude, of watching the Jason Garrett, Joe Judge, Glennon, and Fromm days from last year. It was an offense that basically couldn't get anything done in the passing game, no matter what they did, no matter what personnel they put out there, no matter the formations. They hit one long ball that basically was just, in my opinion, luck. Like, it was a horrible decision by Foles. You're about to see it. The safety was there, uh, and McKinney made a bad play on it, I would say. Um, and there's some interesting things to talk about on McKinney because his later play, the the one that was nearly intercepted, he didn't intercept. I don't know, man. To me, I slowed that thing down, and we'll look at it. We won't be able to slow it down on this, but it's almost what like impre- impossible to me for that to have not been intercepted. And the fact that it wasn't, to me, is not a good sign moving forward for McKinney the rest of the season playing with that mitt. As far as interceptions go, he could still get his hand in there and bat passes, but like if he's not going to pick that ball off... I, once I slowed it down, I just don't know if he's going to have any interceptions the rest of the way. Good news is he's in position and he's McKinney. But anyway, this pass offense reminded me a lot of the the from Glennon stuff. They just couldn't get anything going. And so you'll see it. And, and Nick brought this up as well to me off pod. The Giants ran a lot of quarter again, 32.1% of the snaps. This is the second highest they've ran that behind the Jacksonville game in week seven. Um, and so it was designed to stop the pass, but the Colts didn't really pass the ball. So it'll be interesting to watch this tape and we'll see uh, what, what went down. Nick, any thoughts before you get dive into it? No, I think we could just get to the tape, but I will say the one play where Xavier McKinney was center field. And I didn't realize this actually uh, during the broadcast, he was aligned on the line of scrimmage and the he got way, one, right. Yep, yep. Yep. The 49 yard gain to Paris Campbell. He was aligned on the line of scrimmage, was able to cover ground so well that he got over the top of Paris Campbell, but just didn't really time his jump up all that well, which he talked about after the game. He's just knocking the rust off, I think yes. is the way he termed it. But yeah, I think without further ado, we can get into the tape. Yep. All right. So we start here with the first drive for the Colts. It's a five play, 12 yard drive. It ends in a punt. And we have a really incredible play by the defense on the first play. You have a two, four, five look, which the Giants have been using a little bit more lately, just two down linemen and or two linemen with their hand in the dirt. And what happens? Kayvon Thibodeau just absolutely dominates this rep by shooting the gap, getting right into the backfield, and making a tackle for loss to set the tone with a three-yard loss to start the game. Yeah, and this is 12 personnel that we're seeing from the Indianapolis Colts. Giants are going to come out with nickel to match that. And Kayvon Thibodeau, as you're seeing right now, he just splits the double Y set of Mo Ali Cox and Jelani Woods, gets his hands on Mo Ali Cox, the inner tight end, pushes him aside, and then just watch how square he is. He, his shoulders are square and moss. There's nothing this guy can do at this point. Just an excellent individual effort from Kayvon Thibodeau to make the Colts look silly. So now second and 13 situation, the Giants go to a dime personnel look, obviously expecting the pass here, um, but the Colts will run the ball. And it's a really nice move in the hole, I thought, by Zach Moss to kind of create what could have been another TFL for, for uh, Kayvon Thibodeau if Moss just flows down. He avoids the tackle, gets back in. And actually, I thought, you know who did a pretty good job on this? Jalen Smith, because Jalen Smith, the, the lineman climbed to the second level to get Smith, and Smith was able to fight off the block, shed it, and then make the play. It's a six-yard run game, but Jalen Smith plays this phenomenally. You're right. Kayvon Thibodeau, he slants inside, and he would have absolutely blew this play up if it wasn't for Zach Moss, but the Giants had the defenders in place to allow 
Kayvon Thibodeau to slant inside. So it's not like Kayvon Thibodeau is being undisciplined and just playing with uh, no regard to his gap integrity. He slants inside, and then you have Darnay Holmes who fills. Landon Collins comes downhill. And as you said, look at 54. Stacks, sheds, stays square to the line of scrimmage, gets rid of the tackle, and then makes the play. Yep, and that sets up a third down. And on this third down, you're actually going to get a hold from Darnay Holmes, which will extend the drive. So after that play, we're going to get a first and 10 situation. You're going to see the first look, and we've seen this now in recent weeks a lot more often, at least in earlier this season, of a fire zone with a safety on the fire, a safety coming in. That's Xavier McKinney on the free rush. Um, and they're just going to hit a quick one yard pass to Campbell. They're trying to set up the screen. They're trying to set up the bubble. Here's, you know, what have the Giants struggled with on defense, the run defense against counter and outside runs, but also the past defense against screens, but the giants, I thought did a much better job in this game, with the exception of the one play that was called back anyway, by a hold of stopping screens. This was a good example. And Jihad Ward did a great job to contain this screen. Yeah. Jihad Ward, very impressive to get outside of Paris Campbell, recognize what the hell is going on. He was dropping off the line of scrimmage on the fire zone anyway. So he was dropping off into coverage. He wasn't going to be a rusher, but the giants contain this. Like you said, it's important because a lot of teams are going to run screens against a blitz happy coordinator, right. like Wink Martindale, the giants, all season have struggled to contain them. Like they did not hear though. Good point. And now on second and nine, it's quarter personnel despite being second and nine and Colts are going to try to run counter. They've obviously watched the tape. Giants have struggled against counter runs, but not here. You actually have a really good play here by Ojolari. I'm wondering if this was a play because he was really physical on this run stop. I'm wondering if this maybe was part of what, you know, took him off the field the rest. Of the, and I'm not sure. I think he played a few more snaps after this, but not many. Um, yeah, he played not, seven total snaps. Yeah, so not many more after this. I wonder if this played a role in it. I don't know. Uh, but it's a good run stop here for just a three-yard gain. And you can see Dexter Lawrence just work Ryan Kelly to get in yeah. on Zach Moss. This is a shotgun GH counter. And what we mean by the physicality, that squeeze technique from Aziz Ojolari. See how he stays on the outside shoulder of the pulling guard. And there's really nowhere for Zach Moss to go. So he tries to cut it back to the inside but Leonard Williams and Tony Jefferson, Landon Collins, the entire Giants defense is in position to, to stop this run. Again, there's no linebackers on the field right now. You have Tony Jefferson <laughs> and Landon Collins in the box, and the Giants are fitting counter better than when it's Nick. That is crazy. That is a wild thing to think about, and partially, obviously, because the Colts are a little banged up on the offensive of line. But they still have Ryan Kelly, Quinton Nelson. I mean, they still have some players here. Now we set up a third and six situation. Giants go to a two-high look here on third and six. Colts are throwing the pass. They're trying to connect with Michael Pittman on this, and it's just an overthrow from Nick Foles. Yep. And a lot of three-by-one formations from the Colts, and right. throwing from the far hash well outside the numbers with a quarterback as old and <laughs> kind of long in the tooth as Nick Foles probably isn't the the best path to success. And look at Nick Foles' delivery. It's just a little weird, right? I yeah. don't know. I don't know. He's... He's done, bro. He's completely <laughs> cooked. Like, just completely and entirely cooked. I guess Matt Ryan is, too. But, man, Nick Foles is at another level of cooked, unfortunately. I don't love talking about now that he got hurt, but it is what it is. Yeah, the you second- want to talk about, though, yeah. Dan, like, just a team. Like, imagine being the Colts. You draft Andrew Luck in 2012, and it's like, bro, we have this guy for the next 20 years. And he randomly retires, which is his right to do. But now you're doing this just carousel of these old ass quarterbacks like Philip Rivers and Matt Ryan and now Nick Foles is just such a crappy situation to be in from a franchise standpoint. And I think finally next year they're going to go a different route rather than like the veteran acquisition route. They're probably going to try to go through the draft, but that we all know is a hard thing to do as well. So 
we'll see. We'll see what happens there. But you're right. I mean, just a few years ago, I was viewing them as like one of the best run teams in the NFL. They had hits like Shaq Leonard. Their offensive line looked phenomenal on paper with Nelson and Braden Smith. And then it's crazy how fast things change there for the Colts. Um, and they even made some like trades that made sense to me. Like, oh, they go out and get DeForest Buckner. That made a lot of sense. Like he was a big piece for them. But when you don't get the quarterback right, it's just hard to do anything else in the NFL. Yeah. It really is. And they definitely tried. They certainly tried, yep. but it just did not work out. Yep. And so now we have the second drive here from the Colts offense. This one is a nine play 75 yard drive that ends in a field goal, really sparked by just one 49 yard play. But it starts with an RPO zone run here. And you're going to see a really good job, uh, I thought, by Kayvon Thibodeau to just set the edge, make sure that this run can get collapsed inside instead of spilled out or spilled outside, yeah, by Moss. And it's still a five yard gain, but it was a good job to contain it for less than less than a big one. Yeah, you could see how Kayvon Thibodeau sets the edge and then he's able to work back inside, restrict the B gap, come off the tackle and make the play. Just like you said, but if you look at Micah McFadden, man, Ryan Kelly, he kind of pulls around the guard, a little like fold action and watch how he just uplifts Micah McFadden, who I felt like had a pretty, I would say, okay game, but geez, yeah. man, imagine getting taken out like this and then having to watch film on it. Just, just uh, unfortunate. Yep. Sets up a second and five here. They're going into the gun, but they're going to run a shotgun run. Again, they were very focused on running the ball in this game, the Colts, even though they showed some pass sets, because this is just, again, they're in the from Glennon stage of their season. They don't have a quarterback who can competently throw the football at really any level of the field um, besides the quick hitters. And that makes it really difficult to call an offense. So they run, a, they, they run here. It's a really nice cutback. Good, good vision cut by Zach Moss, who honestly, I feel like is a pretty decent underrated runner. I don't know. The, the Bills gave up on him, and I know he doesn't have like long speed or anything, but I feel like he had pretty good vision and did a pretty good job in this game of just like of maximizing what was there for him. Um, and so he cuts this back and creates 10. This is a good run by him. He sees the over pursuing linebacker and Jalen Smith. He sees Dexter right. Lawrence go to the outside. He cuts it right back up and look at all the space. Once he cuts it up, I think you're right. But the thing about Zach Moss is he's a plotter and nobody loves plotters, yes. but he has okay vision. You know, he, he can do little nuance as well, but he's just not exciting because he has absolutely no burst whatsoever. Right. That's exactly right. Okay. Now it's a first and 20 after a holding penalty on the Colts. And we got a deep quarters look from the Giants. They're really setting up to stop the pass. Nick Foles doesn't like what he sees and just starts to run. Look how slow he looks running. It was uh, this place that out to me. It was just so funny watching him trot out there. He picks up eight, but I mean, there is a massive hole here. He, he could have picked up a lot more if it was just like any other quarterback, basically. Uh, the Giants were pinning their ears back, trying to win yeah. the half man relationship. And good job by Foles to recognize what the hell was going on. But look at the Giants, man. Like they're they have five guys basically. Yes. Deep. At this point, like nobody underneath, they were just anticipating deep routes and Foles had all that space to just use his amazing speed to pick up. What was it? Uh, <laughs> eight yards, eight yards, sets up a second and 12. And this is a four yard run to Wilkins, their second back here um, and sets up a third and long, a third and eight situation. Yep. And Wilkins was used a solid amount in this game. And I believe this run was. The trap wham, which is something that the Colts ran, I think, twice against the Giants. They use a trap tag and a wham trap or and a wham tag. You could see how who is that? Mo Alley Cox, Whams, Leonard Williams. Yeah. And then the I think I, I don't remember who that guard is, but he traps Dexter Lawrence. Now you have 78 and 79 climbing up to the second level. But good play by Jalen Smith to avoid Braden Smith and make that tackle. I thought he had a pretty good game, Jalen Smith. Yeah, that was his best play, I thought, just because if he doesn't get off that and shed that 
second level climb. That could have been a big play for the Colts. So instead it sets up a third and eight, which they're actually able to make a big play on. This is the 49 yard ball to Paris Campbell here. Um, as Nick noted pre uh, before the podcast, McKinney comes all the way from the line of scrimmage down into the coverage in the deep half. By the time Foles makes this throw and attempts it, Nick, this is why I said it was an awful decision. Like, just look at his vision at that point. Like, McKinney is already in his vision. Like, this is not a good decision whatsoever with that safety over the top. But he kind of lucks into McKinney misplaying it a little bit um, and Campbell making a pretty good play on it. And you can see the Giants are just getting creative with their pressure package. Five-man rush, another fire zone where they're dropping guys off the left side of the defense. One's going to assume deep responsibilities. I mean, that really speaks to the athletic ability and the trust that Wink Martindale has in Xavier McKinney to allow him to do this. You don't see... Wink Martindale allowing a lot of players to do this. He does it with Julian Love, or at least he did it with Julian Love a little bit earlier in the season, but that's a ton of ground to cover. And McKinney puts himself in excellent position, just doesn't judge the ball well once it's in the air. And you're right. Three guys are in that area. Nick Foles just YOLOs it. <laughs> yeah, he does. It's pretty ridiculous. Um, but he completes the pass, which sets up a first and 10. Giants go back into a nickel personnel grouping. They go back into the two, four, five, as you can see, just those two down linemen with their hands on the dirt, everyone else off. And you're going to get a three-yard run here with a really nice tackle from Thibodeau on the backside of this run to make this to stop this from being anything more than that. Yeah, Thibodeau does really well against these backside tight ends, right? Like he's yeah. going to crash down, and he's not going to really crash down to a point where he's being undisciplined. But he positions himself right in the cutback lane and makes that tackle through contact of Mo Ali Cox, who is like five or six inches taller than Kayvon Thibodeau because that right. guy is just like a giant. Great play by Thibodeau there. I really feel like that's where he makes his mark compared to some of these edges that come out into the draft. He's already a really good run defender, which is important in my mind, at least. Um, so let's go to the second and seven. And again, the Colts making no, you know, they're, they're not trying to trick the Giants, really, in my mind. They're running the ball almost all the time because they don't trust their pass game whatsoever. Um, and here's a two-yard run, a duo run. McFadden makes a really nice play, I thought, to fill here. And obviously you have Jihad Ward do a good job of constricting it inside. Yeah, look at Michael McFadden, number 41. He reads this. He positions himself right into the C-gap, bounces around, contains, because Jihad Ward is slanting inside. It's a very good play by Michael McFadden. Physical low tackler for only yeah. a three-yard gain to set up a third and five. Good point. It was a very low tackle. And so on third and five, the Giants kind of drop into like a deeper zone here despite it being near the red zone. They're just taking away a lot. So as you'll see from this angle, from the sideline angle. There's really absolutely nothing and nowhere for Foles to go with the ball. And so he checks it down and the Giants do a good job of rallying to it. A combination of Landon Collins uh, rallying to the football. And I believe who's the other player there in the mix. Might've been Cordell Flott. Yes, who... it was Flott. Yeah, Flott comes down. Flott's pretty good in the in the situation, but he doesn't actually make the hit. It's Tony Jefferson. Who... No, it was Jefferson. Yeah, 36. Yeah. Yep. Honestly, Dan, anytime we don't recognize who it was, I always feel like it's, it's Tony Jefferson. Jefferson. Yeah, it is. Always <laughs> Jefferson. He's actually playing a little bit more lately. So we'll see if that carries over to the playoffs. I'm not sure if that's something they'll want to do with all these like quarter looks. I personally don't mind it. I mean, Me I feel either. like he's a good football player who is always in position. I don't think we've ever brought up Tony Jefferson making a mistake on this podcast. That's like, true. It's not like everything's perfect, but it's not like he's making glaring mistakes either. The sample size is small, but you're right about yeah. that for sure. And it's not like when we leave him on the field and Collins, we're taking off like Fred Warner, right? <laughs> we're not yeah. taking off those types of guys. We're taking off our guys. Like we're not taking even off like a Greenlaw type of player, like 49ers have. When you have the, when we get those kind of linebackers, they'll stay on the field. I think with Wink, 
right now. Yeah. He's playing to his personnel and he knows what he has limitations wise at linebacker. So anyway, I mean, they the Giants had Lawrence Taylor in the building. They just didn't decide to dress him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he rang that bell, that fake bell that doesn't even actually ring. Like when you ring that bell that they have down there, it's not actually a bell. Like that then they put on like a the the they put on like a fake bell over the over the speak loudspeaker. Oh, man. Yeah. Gotta get a really loud bell like there, actual right? thing. Like it's kind of William. But anyway, the Colts trying to, you know, it's zero zero. So they just say F it, I guess, and they kick a field goal from the five. It's a pretty gross decision in my mind. I'm never a fan of those types of moves. I you know I've made my point clear on these, but I always believe that it's uh, it's almost like a win-win, right? When you're in the red zone and you go for it on fourth, even if you miss, if you have some trust in your defense, you can just force a three and out and get the ball right back in field goal position. So the upside is you can get this, the extra four points, but they take the three here. And so this sets up their next drive here, which you're seeing the first play of. This was a four-play, one-yard drive with a punt. So the Giants really step up here. Um, and even though the first play was a 29-yard gain on the screen, which kills the Giants over and over, uh, it was taken back by this holding call on the outside there against uh, McLeod, which was finally called. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Ready to win money and boost your odds? WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. We're bringing the excitement of Win Las Vegas to online sports betting and casino play. Exclusive rewards are right at your fingertips with Win Rewards on WinBet. Get in on all your favorite teams, players, and sports from the NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL, golf, MMA, WNBA, college football, and more. Great promos, odds, and payouts are happening right now at WinBet. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds on every major sports, WinBet has what you need to win. Ready to play? Sign up today to receive a special offer. Bet $100, win $100. Download Bet, Win, download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Be on the lookout for the WinBet Win Hour each Thursday from 5 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. During WinBet Win Hour, marquee games of the week will have better odds on WinBet, giving you a larger payout opportunity. Offer subject to change. Terms and conditions at winbet.com. Must be 21 or older and present in the state where play through WinBet is available. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, please call 1-800-522-4700.
I was running low on some groceries, so naturally, I went to a store that sells said groceries to look for my refreshments. There I was in the beverage aisle, and I saw these tall boys of what I originally thought was beer, but it was actually in the bottled water section, and it was mountain spring water from the Alps, and it was called Liquid Death. And I thought to myself, do I want to try this beverage that is named Liquid Death because I hear it brutally murders your thirst, and their recyclable tall boy cans are helping to bring death to plastic bottles. And they also donate 10% of their profits from every can sold to help kill plastic pollution. Those are some pretty cool causes. So I bought myself some liquid death, and I enjoyed it. I was parched, and then I drank it, so I was not. So if you want to try some of this liquid death, go get liquid death at your local Whole Foods Market, Target, and Stop and Shop stores, or find a Liquid Death retailer near you with their store locator tool at liquiddeath.com slash bigblue. That's liquiddeath.com slash bigblue. Yeah, you can obviously see it too. It's a pure hold, but I like the three-by-one nub screen to a player like Lonnie Woods. A little good play call, but doesn't matter. First and 18. And the Colts come back out in a three-by-one set, and Jalen Smith just pulls a Matthias Kiwanuka and doesn't sack Nick Foles because he oh, thought that's that. a good throwback call, Matthias Kiwanuka. <laughs> I remember that Titans game, bro. I'll never forget that. I know that exactly was where I was. The rushing the passer, dude. Uh, they were like starting to really like protect quarterbacks, but it was still so early in the stages relative to where we're at right now. And dude, that like literally led to the Giants losing that game against Tennessee. Such and a that led to them like blowing the playoffs. Yeah, it was devastating. Oh, man, it was such a devastating. Like I, I'll, I was in high school at that time, man. But I'll. I'll never forget that. I won't either because my friend, shout out Scott Yanofsky. I'm going to tell him about this once we record it. But I was playing FIFA at his house. We were in like a locked in <laughs> dead on series. And I was like, all right, I'm going home. The Giants game is on. He's like, you don't have to go home. The Giants game. They have no chance of losing this game to the Titans. And I'm imitating his voice because he's a very high voice. No chance of losing to the Titans. <laughs> and we just had like the biggest jinx in the history of like jinxes. And I was just like, you just literally jinxed the entire Giants season, my man. <sighs> he might have. He might have because. Kimonuka had him sacked. The game would have been over, but Young rushes for the first down. And insane. Okay, let's not reminisce about those, yes. those ugly times. Actually, you know what? It was just the it was just like a, the storm before the greatness, I guess you could say, because the next season true. the Giants end up winning the Super Bowl. That's but true. this is a simulated pressure we're getting here from the New York Giants. You could see how two guys are going to drop off into coverage: O'Shane Zimenez and Kayvon Thibodeau, and then four come with the rusher that didn't look like he was coming initially being Jalen Smith, who ends up being unblocked. This is why simulated pressure is excellent because Jalen Smith splits right by the center and hits Nick Foles, but then he just lets go because he thought Foles threw the football. Luckily, the Giants had solid coverage and Nick Foles is Nick Foles and just overthrew Alec Pierce, who was just adjusting his route after realizing that Jalen Smith didn't murder his quarterback. Yep. And that sets up a second and 18. And again, Colts making no mistake of what their plan is here. Don't put too much on the quarterback. So they just run an inside zone here for nine yards, set up a third and nine. Giants have a light er type of box and quarter personnel again. And this ends up going for, I believe, nine yards. Leonard Williams kind of misses a tackle. That would have been difficult anyways. And then Xavier McKinney is right there to fill. And just look at McKinney filling, dude. Stays completely square, yeah. times everything up, just makes the hit. Like, yeah, his hand might be a little screwed up. He might not have secured that one interception that he should have had. But in run support, I feel like this defense is much more solid with him and Love on the field rather than somebody else back there. Oh, completely agree. It's about timing and technique when it comes to McKinney in the run game. I thought the Giants run defense 
was much worse once he got injured. And I think it's going to be much better, even though, like you said, it's going to, I, I think, continue to impact him on some of these pass attempts. But in the run game, that'll be enough help. And as a blitzer as well. Here's the third and nine situation. The Giants are just in the cover six look. Um, so Colts attack that by trying to run a deep flag. And it's not really a terrible route here. And it's not a terrible opportunity. It's not a good one. It's not a terrible opportunity. But Nick Foles is just not making this throw at all, dude. This is a terrible throw. Solid job by Darnay Holmes because both of the receivers, they're in a stack and they're running about 10 yards down the field right next to each other. And Holmes is able to kind of feel that this is going to be a seven route. And he's able to see how he swims over the top and kind of stays on the hip at Michael Pittman Jr. Like this had to be a perfect throw from Nick Foles to be completed because I feel like Darnay Holmes is actually in pretty good coverage on this deep seven route. Yep. And that ends the drive here. Giants get off the field, starting to really dominate this football game. And we'll roll into this fourth drive right after that. This one's a six-play, 21-yard drive just before the halftime. So, obviously, for those who remember, no, it's a two drives before the half because they got the ball back real quick right after it. But time was running down, and it ends with the best play of the game by the Giants defense. But we're going to start here with a first down run for three yards. And it's just a shotgun run, split zone here. Um, they try to do what the Giants do and a lot of other teams do with some eye candy before the snap with two guys coming in, mo well, with one guy coming in motion and the tight end kind of coming around the block. But the Giants play this one really, really well, specifically Julian Love, who's not fooled at all by the eye candy and does a great job filling this run and stopping it for three. Yeah, I love Love. I mean, a lot of people have made that kind of alliteration, alliteration joke before, but I love how he comes downhill like that and is able to just recognize what the hell is going on and making the play. It's something he's done all season. True. Second and seven situation here. Another simulated pressure from the Giants, which, of course, means a dropping edge, and that edge is O'Shane Simonens. And the Colts actually have a good call against this look because they throw it real quick to the flat, and it looks like to me, based on um, his post-snap movement, this was kind of a predetermined read for Nick Foles, and it was the right read because you'll take a running back against O'Shane Simonens in space anytime, and you could see why here it's a 10-yard game. It's that same type of play with Kayvon Thibodeau's dropping off on the opposite side. Good job by Foles to recognize that O'Shane Zimenez was isolated against Wilkins. And unfortunately, the blitz didn't really get home. And then Wilkins picks up the first down. And that sets up a first and 10. Now they're running a little tempo, trying to mix things up, I guess, a little bit. But it's 13 personnel, a very run-heavy type of look here. Um, and you're going to see a four-yard run here. This was the play that uh, Dexter Lawrence was called for defensive holding on. It was the play he was called for defensive holding on, but I still find it pretty fascinating that he's able to work outside the numbers from the middle of the field to make this tackle. Yeah. He's holding Ryan Kelly a little bit and kind of preventing Ryan Kelly from getting up to Micah McFadden. I didn't think it was the most egregious hold because it also looks like Ryan Kelly kind of gets his hand up into the face area of Dexter Lawrence. There is definitely right. a hold though, but Lawrence is still able to shed and then make that play. That sets up another first and 10 after the penalty, and they tried to mix it up a little bit in the run game here with an end around to one of the receivers, Paris Campbell, but this is, I love this play. I thought this was played and read so well by the two D-backs here, uh, Darnay Holmes and Julian Love. Darnay Holmes is very good in these situations. Look, Darnay Holmes, like Darnay Holmes, he can be frustrating because he gets grabby and he's going to take some stupid DPIs and defensive holding and, and really bad situations. But in terms of operating around the line of scrimmage and in run support for a dude who's hardly five foot ten, it seems right. like, like he's really physical and he's very smart, I would say. And he's actually one of the cornerbacks that I feel like does a pretty good job diagnosing screens on this Giants team. Who was the nickel we had a couple years ago that got burned on like a slot? Grant burn? Haley. Yeah, Grant Haley. He reminds me a lot of Grant Haley in that regard as well. Grant Haley was also kind of physical, smaller he guy, was, good around the line of scrimmage, but just not okay in coverage. I, at some I, point, I think 
Yeah, I think Darn. Oh, sorry to cut you off. And nope. you're 100 percent accurate. I think Darnay Holmes is better than Grant yes. Haley in coverage. Better in coverage and better on the line scrimmage than Grant Haley. Do you remember when the Giants played Washington in Week Two? I think it was the yes. 2019 season, and they just kept throwing the slot vert. That's to what that, I was talking about. That, yeah, that's what I was referencing earlier to like a white dude who is not fast, <laughs> who wasn't tall or fast. It was <laughs> Trent Taylor. It might have been. It might not even. No, be it wasn't Trent Taylor. I can't remember his name though. But yeah, it wasn't he was terrible though, and he hasn't made it in the NFL since. It was just like a really bad game to see. That was that was like here are the deficiencies of your roster right now. Take a look at them. Um, but anyway, we've come far since then. So this sets up a second and nine here. The Colts are going to try to do something that's beat the Giants at times here, and that's run a screen. But again, it's back to back really good plays from Darnay Holmes. Look at how well he reads this thing and just attacks and and makes the tackle right away, and we get a two yard loss set up third and eleven. I just don't think the Giants respect the Colts offense, right? Sure. Like they're they're anticipating this screen. So once you see the once you see 14, the, the number two receiver go to stalk block, and you see the the number one receiver like kind of pivot and look back at the quarterback. Darnay Holmes is already breaking and reading the quarterback. And like I said a little bit earlier, this is what Darnay Holmes does well. I think he he really reads and diagnoses these screens quickly and is able to come downhill. And he actually was shaken up on this play. He was, and hopefully he'll be all right long-term. That sets up the third and 11 here, the play of the game for the Giants defense. By far, it's the Landon Collins pick six. So, Nick, I think you did a good job breaking this one down earlier. Let's let's go ahead and let you just shine here and break this whole thing down. <laughs> shine here. I mean, you could see Landon Collins as the apex defender. There is a reduced – I don't want to say reduced. There is a bunch of – at the numbers to the boundary side. So there's not a lot of field to cover, right? The Giants are just going to send four and they're going to drop the others into coverage. And you're going to get two vertical releases from two of the receivers from the bunch to the boundary with the third receiver just kind of leading into the flats. So you're creating traffic with the two vertical receivers. Landon Collins does a good job to work over the top and outside of the numbers of those two vertical releases because Landon Collins has two teammates behind him with the middle of the field close safety. So he has the help. So what he is doing is he's protecting from the numbers to the outside. Great job by Collins to work around those releases and then once those two pass him he snaps his eyes onto Nick Foles and he just sees that Nick Foles is rearing back to throw to the flat right as that number three receiver is breaking into the flat and you could just watch how Landon Collins diagnoses it all because he's a smart dude who has played plenty of football he just jumps the route easy pick six probably one of the easier interceptions Landon Collins has had that wasn't a tipped pass because I feel like he had a lot of tip pass interceptions going back to 2016. Yeah, and just a game-defining type of play here. I mean, look, if there was any chance the Colts had of making a comeback in this game, it was going to have to be on this possession, and he just silences them all and also at the same time puts seven points on the board for his team. So it's those, it's those subtleties, man, Dan, like like him noticing that both of these guys are releasing right. vertically and just working outside the numbers to protect his responsibility and then having the understanding to flash his eyes to the quarterback to see what the quarterback's intentions are like True. little things like that can go a long way and they can change games like it did here. And that's the, those are like the natural instincts he has, right? That's like part of why like the giants traded up for him in round two. And he was viewed as like in a lot of people's minds, a really dominant prospect. I know he fell in the draft process a little bit from like, but he was originally like top 10, top 15 discussion um, speed, obviously played a role in dropping him off, but, one of the reasons you are in that discussion is because you have those natural football instincts and you can do those little things. Like I, we haven't really seen that all year, right? From a giant defensive back. I can't remember a single time we've seen what you just described, right? The, the, to both those nuances, one working over the top of that, like subtly, as you can kind of see shuffle, shuffle, shuffle. And then two flashing your eyes to the quarterback and understanding that this is an opportunity for you to make a play like this. And then 
actually executing and making the play. It's really phenomenal stuff. We said it three weeks ago. We think he's demand. He's his play on the field has demanded more playing time. We're happy the Giants have responded by giving him more playing time. And now I feel like he can be a nice piece for the Giants in their playoffs. A hundred percent. And look at who is running down the running down the sideline with Landon Collins. It's number five. It's Kayvon Thibodeau throwing blocks and getting into yep. people's way. <laughs> the hustle. I mean, we bring it up all the time. I don't want to keep beating this dead horse, but geez, man, this dude hustles all the time. It's just such a stupid narrative. Terrible narrative. That's been totally dis- dismantled this season, in my mind, at least. But we'll roll into the fifth drive here. They get the ball right back. Obviously, after that pick six, now it's 21-3. Game is really at a come, starting to unravel for the Colts here. Um, and they'll start off this drive just trying to get maybe something on the board here, like a field goal to go 21-6 or something like that. Um, and they're able to get a successful play on their first play. It's just a quick hit to to Woods here, um, Jelani Woods. And it's actually a pretty good ball, I guess, by Foles. I don't, it's just like an 11-yard throw. I don't want to give too much credit, but it's probably his best pass of the day, sadly. Um, and uh, 11 yards on the first down. Yeah, Giants are in a quarters look, and Foles just kind of reads. It's a good play call to beat quarters. He's just basically, Johnny Woods is going to run, start at the top of the numbers, run to the bottom of the numbers, about 10 yards, and then just pivot back inside. And Foles delivers it timely. So Jelani Woods doesn't take a huge hit from the safety. He takes a hit, but he's able to catch and secure the pass at that time. Like Jelani Woods is a player, man, that I don't know if we discussed him too much coming out of the draft, but having a tight end that big, it can go a long way for you, especially if you can get him like late in day three, which I, I think Jelani Woods was drafted. It wasn't late in day three, but I think it was day two. But either way, man, like that type of size is game changing. Yeah, I would completely agree with you on everything you just said there. And that's something we've been talking about for a while anyway. And we'll talk about more this March and April, what we what we look for on those day three picks. We want to take the swings on the Jelani Woods types. We want to take the swings on the Damone Carter, um, Damone Clark types. We want to take the swings on the, um, who's the, who's the guy? The, Tariq Willen. Tariq Willen. Like, that's what we want. We want to bet on traits. And it's fun that they didn't do that this year. They want. They wanted tough, smart, dependable, at least for year one. They certainly wanted that. But as you build the roster out and you get more competent on your roster overall, you can then start to take those kinds of swings, I think, anyway. So we'll see what happens there. But here's a little six-yarder to Johnny Woods set up a second and four. It's just a stick route. Yeah, just a quick little stick route. Picks up a first down. Or no, no, it doesn't. It gets six yards against a cover three match defense. And now we have a second and four where Nick Foles is going to try to get the football to Paris Campbell on a drag route. Luckily for Paris Campbell, in my opinion, he dropped it because Landon Collins, I think, could have annihilated him there. Oh, yeah. Landon Collins would have absolutely destroyed him on this one. But he dropped the football. And that sets up the third and four to end the half. And we're going to get a blitz here from the Giants. As you can see, the Colts don't do a good job of picking it up. The left tackle is trying to take the inside pressure, and Kayvon Thibodeau just gets a free rush toward Nick Foles, drops him immediately to the ground, does the um, the Snow Angels. I know he's taking a lot of flack for that. I I Look, I'm not on the side of like giving him flack for that personally. I just, everything I know about this guy, I don't think that he knew that Foles was really hurt when he was doing all of this. Of course, yeah. Um, but you know, obviously Jeff Saturday had a different opinion of that. Meanwhile, later in the game, his own player had the cheap shot when he tried to elbow down into Daniel Jones's head and neck area, which is actually a real cheap shot. This is just simply a fair sack. The clean sack about it. And then a brag after or a celebration after, which is to me a lot less, um, I guess, vilifying than somebody who just does what the dude did to Daniel Jones yesterday. What we watched on the film where he just like elbows him in the head and neck area. So just my take on the situation. 
another fire zone blitz man where they blitz the boundary cornerback along with Kayvon Thibodeau and then Landon Collins going through the B gap. And that's going to occupy that tackle to the side. It's only a five man protection. So you have three guys engaged with five offensive linemen and then nobody takes Nick McLeod. Nobody takes Kayvon Thibodeau. And the thing is Nick McLeod tips this blitz off at the beginning of the play. If you're watching on YouTube, look about three seconds before the snap, Nick McLeod goes like he's going. And then he sees Nick Foles pull back and you can see Alec Pierce call it out. But for whatever reason that wasn't communicated or picked up by the protection and the quarterback ends up getting absolutely annihilated by Kayvon Thibodeau. Yep. And that'll end the half here. Giants go into this and they pick up, a, I believe they might even picked up a field goal, I think to go 24, three potentially. Yeah. This is right before they picked up a field goal. Um, so now we're at 24, three coming out of halftime here. Giants I'm just going to show that show. I'm just showing yeah, for, yeah. The, for the YouTube audience it on this angle. You can just see how honestly, dude, and not to we're, we're back at the drive where, where Foles was sacked for those listening. I'm surprised that Foles doesn't throw this football at that moment. Maybe it's just because the cornerback up at the top of the screen is squatting a little bit, but there's still plenty of separation. You could get Michael Pittman Jr. pretty easily right at this moment, but he decides not to throw the football. And that's one big reason why he ended up getting annihilated anyways. And so now we move on. Second half, Giants got ball first. They had the fumble with Darius Slayton. So Colts actually pick up the ball in a really good spot to score. Now it's a 24-3 game, so they're probably thinking touchdowns are our only chance to get back in this game. But it's a really good response here drive, a response drive here from the Giants defense um, after a short field quick turnover. It starts with a one-yard run. Again, two, four, five defense by the Giants. Um, seems like, in theory, it should be easy to run against, but the Giants played this really well. Micah McFadden, I thought, played this phenomenally and stops it for a one-yard gain. Micah McFadden and Dexter Lawrence, because Micah McFadden, again, this could have been defensive holding. That lineman is trying to climb up to Micah McFadden, but he can't because Dexter Lawrence is not allowing him to. But Dexter Lawrence also flows with the uh, with the play so well that he has to basically stretch Zach Moss horizontally, which also allows Micah McFadden to fill right in between Kayvon Thibodeau and Dexter Lawrence to make this tackle. Dexter Lawrence, little things that this guy does, Dan, they, they don't get discussed, man. Like Even a play like this should, probably should have been called for the defensive holding, but he just is always in position. Dude is always in position. He's always doing the correct thing to maximize success on the football field. Yep. And that's a great point. And so that sets up a second and nine situation. You're going to get a cover six look from the Giants and Sam Ellinger in the game. He's actually going to throw out of this one. Um, but it's just a woeful underthrow here to at Mo Ali Cox. He's trying to hit him on the dig, but the ball placement is, is really bad. It's it's really bad. And he had both of the tight ends because it's True. a double Y set wide open for quite a while. Like Jelani Woods is wide open and he makes the decision to throw it to Mo Ali Cox, which is fine. But look, Mo Ali Cox, he has space. If if you put this just inside of the hash that that Cox is outside of, this is going to be a catch and probably a pickup of another couple of yards because the dude's like nine feet tall <laughs> for whatever reason, <laughs> man. Ellinger is, is rough, dude. Yeah, he's not good. Um, it's not third and nine. Colts going in panic mode and try to run a screen, but the Giants have seen screens a lot this game already, and they're this time they're finally prepared for it. Thibodeau reads this perfectly and literally almost jump pick sixes this. This would have been such a sick play to watch if he made this pick six. We would have been talking about this on his highlight films for the rest of his life. He would have seen this. I think, look, I think we both agree at this point he's going to be one of the better players in the NFL over the next decade, maybe. Um, I think he's shown enough to me. And that doesn't mean like in the in the eyes of every NFL analyst or fan, because I think a lot of what he does to help a team is in the run game. And that's not, it's just like Michael Strahan who never got the credit for he, for what he was as a run defender. He's one of the best run stopping defensive ends in the NFL. No one ever realized that. And they kind of just looked at the sacks and stuff like that. But 
this would have been a career highlight tape film for him, uh, play for him, I should say, Nick, but he just misses the pick six. He just misses the pick six, but look at the Nick McLeod diagnosed this too. Nick McLeod might have also picked this off if this ball was a little bit to the inside right. with Sam Ellinger. That could have been right. Like he's right on top of Paris Campbell. And there's really like that ball. If that ball was a little bit to the outside, that could have been picked by Nick McLeod. But we'll watch it from the end zone angle just for Kayvon Thibodeau. Like, Thibodeau was everywhere in this game, man. And he didn't even have to do that much because you're going up against the Colts. He only finished the game, I think, with one pressure. But little plays like this, man, can go a long way. But I'm not 100% certain if a quarterback not named Sam Ellinger and a Colts offense that is this bad is going to even ha have these types of plays where they're throwing the football basically directly into his chest. Very true. Very true. So now I think at this point before this next drive, it's like 31-3 or something like that. This will be the last drive we go over breaking down on film. We'll run the last plays. There's like almost a full quarter of it, but it was all backups um, for the Giants with the exception of like the secondary. So it's kind of a end of game thing, not much to learn, but we can learn a little from this last drive here. Because the secondary is all backups anyways. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> they really couldn't afford to put anyone else in. There's no depth. So they didn't even try. So this one's a 16 play 68 yard touchdown drive. The only touchdown drive the Giants gave up the entire game here. So maybe a few things we can take away here. It starts with a split zone run. Deion Jackson. Um, and we have a three yard gain and you'll watch here. 21 starting to feel a little bit more comfortable in his new role with the team. Does a really good job. I thought shooting the gap here and, and helping stop this run shoots the B gap. Jackson tries to cut around, but he kind of cuts right into the split blocking Jelani Woods and then Dexter Lawrence just stacks up Ryan Kelly eats the double team and then just kind of folds right on top of Deion Jackson. It's going to be a lot of running plays on this 16 play drive, everybody. Yes, it is. Um, so we're going to start there now and we're going to roll to a second and seven. It's another four yard run here. Um, Marone McKinney do a good job to help and support here to stop this from being longer. Watch what Kayvon Thibodeau does to Jelani Woods to the play side. He just lifts Jelani Woods up and pushes him right into the lap of Deion Jackson. Good play by Jackson to cut around it. But you could see again, Kayvon Thibodeau has the liberty to do that when he has these defenders who are containing for him. And you could see just how strong Kayvon Thibodeau is at the point of attack to take a tight end who is not a normal tight end, a gigantic man, and just throw him into the backfield. Little plays like this, man, I also love to see. Yeah, they're awesome to see. Um, so that sets up a third and three situation for the Colts here to extend their drive. It's going to be a nine-yard pass to Michael Pittman. The Giants a call fire zone again, um, and this time Ellinger is able to find a solution to Pittman. Yeah, Michael Pittman's just going to make this catch nine yards. You can see the Giants right where Ellinger throws is basically where their blitz is going to come. You can see the Giants drop off. Jahad Ward and O'Shane Zimenez on the opposite side. And Ellinger actually read it really well and got the football to Pittman for a solid game. And that one will set up a first and 10. And they're going to go back to the run here, the Colts, this time out of the shotgun. It's a three-yard run to uh, Jackson, their third back that played in this game, Deion Jackson. Um, so yeah, three-yard run here. Giants played it pretty well. Yep. Giants just rallied to the football. Ryder Anderson kind of tried to close the gap. Jackson cuts around, but I believe that's Tumon Fox and Micah McFadden it who is. end up... Starting nice. already see some Timon Fox, and you're going to see more of it on the yeah. Fox. Get 49 out there, man. I love the physicality that he plays with. Now we have second and seven here, and it's going to be a zone read call. And the Giants play this pretty undisciplined. At least Cordell Flott does. He loses contain, and Ellinger has an open uh, keeper situation. He takes it for 12. Yep, Cordell Flop bites inside, as does Timon Fox. I'm not 100% certain if Timon Fox is supposed to have contain. It looks like he was given the green light to shoot the C-gap. Cordell Flott is supposed to stay and contain. That does not happen, as everyone can see, and Ellinger ends up picking up 12 yards and runs right into Xavier McKinney, who just throws him on the ground. Yeah, 
and that'll set up another first and 10. This was the almost interception by McKinney. So I'm going to want you guys to watch this on both angles, including the end zone. I was able to slow it down and see what happened. Um, but it, it truly is surprising to me that he didn't intercept this ball or not, maybe not surprising, but maybe telling of where he'll be at the rest of the season playing with this cast on his hand. This is a horrific decision by the quarterback, in my opinion. Like you should never be throwing this ball given where the safety is positioned. But he tries it anyway. <laughs> um, and McKinney is in perfect position to make the interception. You'll see it better from the end zone angle. And we might be able to slow it down a little bit. And I just don't know what happens. I think he just literally can't inter like catch a ball right now with that cast. Is the only thing like that's the only thing I could believe from it. I don't know if that's right. I mean, it's probably not. I hope it's not, but it just there's no way to not catch this ball. Like so I think I, mean? I, I do, but I think the receiver's hand. Just okay. The there. receiver's hand is in between. Then that changes a lot. I didn't That's look what like that. Right. Now I can kind of see what you're talking about. Yeah. Cause I, his right hand, we can't see where 17's right hand is. And it looked like from the sideline angle that the hand was kind of in between. Okay. Like, I don't know how Xavier McKinney is catching the football. I don't, I don't really know his effectiveness in that area, but this isn't the the easiest catch to make with 17 kind of playing defense. Cause Ellinger just puts a lollipop up there for Xavier McKinney and look okay. at Look at Kayvon Thibodeau, man, going up against two tight ends, getting held like crazy by Jelani Woods. Look at that. Look at that jersey pull, man. I don't know what it is about Thibodeau, but people love to hold this guy. It's probably because mm. he's a good pass rusher, if I'm guessing. Yeah, and the refs don't love to call it. They've called like one all year. There's been at least a dozen, maybe more that we've seen and we've gone over on the film. So maybe he'll start to get those calls later in his career or something. I don't know. But for now, he's not getting them for the most part. That sets up a second and ten. It's going to be an eight-yard gain here for Zach Moss to give them a third and manageable. This is a good, another trap and wham block. They ran this yep. earlier. It works again. Uh, eight-yard gain. Look at that wham block by Mo Alley-Cox. Justin Ellis just doesn't anticipate it at all. You could see a lot of other players. They know this is coming. He just runs. He's like, oh, no one's blocking me. And he just gets uprooted by Mo Alley-Cox. And again, when you have these trap and wham tags, look what it allows you to do. Right. All those offensive linemen are already at the second level. I love the fact that Kafka is using this, and he's using it successfully too. Yeah, that is a pretty cool. I, I like it too. I mean, I'm just I'm generally just a fan of these types of blocking scheme, run blocking schemes, power gap, counter trap, wham, like over zone. I'm just not a zone guy. Just too, I guess it was too much of watching Pat Shermer's inside zone, just running the hundred percent of the plays inside zone. Like it's just when you see it over and over. I guess if you get really good at it, then you can become super effective. Like. But even the best guys like Shanahan, who's like known Nick for having like that outside zone system, he still mixes in a lot of different concepts. Like when I watch that run game, it is very diverse. It's very diverse. And when you have a, a tight end like George Kittle, you can do so many different things because he true. can hold up against like a 270 like essentially an extra hit. offensive tackle out there. It really is. Who was also like a really good receiver. You can also right? play a receiver if you need yeah. to. Yeah. If the Giants could ever find a tight end like that, like the hope is Daniel Bellinger is that. That's very high, obviously, mm. esteem being a George Kittle, but yeah. maybe Daniel Bellinger could be something of like a boss. Yeah. Something like that, right? Like something obviously not to the superstardom of a George Kittle. Right. But I feel like getting a player like that, it just, it does so much for your offense. Me too. And I'm just hoping the Giants can either develop that in Daniel Bellinger or find someone of that nature. And it's even more so true because. There's so few of them. That's what makes them those types of players even more valuable. Like they're valuable anyway because they're two-way guys, right? They're helping you in the run game and they're helping you in the pass game at the same time. Meanwhile, most tight ends can basically hopefully only do one. Like you're lucky basically a tight end to get one of the two for the most part across the NFL. But then they're even more valuable because there's none of these guys out there. So then when you have them versus the rest of the league, it's kind of like fantasy, right? The I've been pushing this narrative in fantasy for years now. My friend Kevin took advantage of it this year and outbid me for Kelsey, but 
the reason I love Kelsey so much in fantasy isn't because of like what he scores on a weekly basis it's because of what he scores versus the rest of his competition. Of course, you're getting such an edge versus other positions where you're scoring a certain amount. They're scoring a certain amount. And it's not that much of an edge. And that's the same thing in real life football with these guys like Kittle and Gronk who can do what they've been able to do their whole career. Kittle and Gronk, man, those guys were absolute studs at blocking, but back to the game. We're going to have a yep. move the pocket play. And what I mean by move the pocket is look at the pocket. It moves. Everybody is going to block. It almost looks like a zone blocking scheme, only it's a passing play. And Sam Ellinger is going to roll out to his right, deliver the football to Michael Pittman Jr., gets his feet and down on third down to set up a fourth and one. Yeah, this is their first of two fourth down conversions on their touch, only touchdown drive. So really, the Giants did make it difficult for them. They wanted to keep them off the board, to holding up to only field goals and no touchdowns. But they were able oh. to play play pretty well on this. What'd you say? Low-key good throw by Sam Ellinger right here. Yeah. Because like, the coverage, like he's out of phase for a second, Darnay Holmes, and then he just closes. And if this throw is like center mass, it might have got knocked away. But he puts it like way outside to where Darnay Holmes can't reach it. Obviously, Sam Ellinger is who he is, but I just thought like that was a pretty solid ball placement on the run. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, and so that sets up the fourth and one here. And they're going to run the ball on fourth and one here. It's a six-yard run to Moss. And they do a good job here blocking this one up. And the Giants don't play this one exactly as they want to. No, they don't. But I also thought Jalen Smith, just from an eye discipline standpoint, does a good job to kind of sift through the traffic, realize where where yeah. exactly Zach Moss is going. He kind of runs into Mo Ali Cox, who doesn't even recognize that Jalen Smith is coming. But I just liked how he was able to read what was going on in front of him. And I feel like Jalen Smith typically does a good or a better job at this when it is a more static type of blocking scheme like it is here, rather than obviously the counter power gap, the pullers, which obviously the Giants really struggle with. Yep. And so that sets up a first and 10. They're going to go back to the run here. It's a two-yard run from Moss, and you'll see a really great play from Dexter Lawrence here, number 97. Yeah, Dexter Lawrence does this all the time. All the time. Jahan, <laughs> Jahan Ward does a really good job, too. But you can see how he just stacks, eats a double team, kind of throws the guard up to the second level to split the double team, and then just makes the tackle as Zach Moss kind of runs into Jahad Ward. Jalen Smith is there, just Giants run defense in a much better spot right now. And it's funny because they're in lighter personnel, at the end of the game when a team should be throwing, but the Colts are so bad that they're just running the football and they're not really having tons of success. Yeah. Them. And here's the play of the game for uh, outside of the Collins one. <laughs> I mean, you've got Dexter Lawrence bull rushing Quinton Nelson at times in his career, an all pro guard. I know he's not having as good a year and he's playing hurt, but times in his career, an all pro guard back into the quarterback and then finishing the play for a sack. This is just a sick play. It's insane. Like he gets low and it looks like, Dexter Lawrence isn't really engaging his bull rush until that moment. And Quentin Nelson checks the B, uh, the B gap, it looks like, right here. He looks to see if there's somebody kind of looping inside because he sees how Dexter Lawrence is putting his hips to the inside. So he's like, is somebody coming through the B gap? Okay, no one's there. And then that just prompted Dexter Lawrence winning the pad level battle. Look how much lower Dexter Lawrence is. Look how it's right. dug into the ground. And at this moment, there's really no way for Quentin Nelson, unless he can recenter himself and reset his anchor to Anchor down against Dexter Lawrence. He's high right now. His butt is high. His pads are high. His helmet is high. So Dexter Lawrence just takes advantage of it and just drives him back to the ground. What a rep and play from Dexter Lawrence. Do the sexy Dexy. Where is it? Can we get it? Oh, we got a little bit of it. <laughs> and that'll set up a third and 16. Giants are going to kind of just allow the Colts to pick up uh, a few yards here to set up a fourth down, basically, given how their coverage looks. And they'll create a 10-yard pass. Just a little pivot route to Alec Pierce. Yeah, Alec Pierce, who we kind of forgot was even on this team, didn't really do anything in this game, just runs a little quick pivot route 
see how he just has tons of space. Ellinger makes a throw from the far hash, and then that sets up a fourth and six where there's going to be some awkward mesh concept where it looked like a bunch of players kind of ran into each other, but Michael Pittman somehow catches the football for seven yards. Yeah. It's an awkward mesh pattern that obviously didn't go as they planned, but they kind of got lucky. And then it's just a crazy catch at the end of this by Pittman. Like this is a phenomenal body control play by Pittman uh, to make this catch. This probably should have been incomplete, but great play by the receiver. Look at Pittman too, man. He leans into the contact to create the separation against Fabian Moreau, but that does something to his helmet and he's adjusting his face mask. Like right now, right before he catches the football, He's adjusting his face mask, and I don't know what he's doing. It looks like he's like sneezing into his hands, and then he's like, oh, wait, I can come open right here. And then he just makes the catch, and it's a first down. Big catch, flips his whole body around to try to make that catch. It's, that's a tough play. But he makes it, converts it, <coughs> sets up a first and 10 here. We're getting a two-yard run by Zach Moss. Um, good job by Jihad Ward here in run defense. Yeah, Giants are actually coming out now in, in base personnel. I feel like the refs kind of missed a face mask on Jahad Ward. You can see how Pittman is tasked to block down on Ward. Best of luck, Michael Pittman. And you can see how Jahad Ward just grabs Moss's face mask and kind of pulls him down. But for whatever reason, there didn't seem to be flags. It looks like this ref is reaching for possibly a flag, and he's looking at his other ref like, did that actually happen? Did I see that? And okay, I just won't throw it. Yeah, he's looking at the other ref like, it's 38 to 3. Let's just get this thing over with and go home. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then got second and eight here situation. We got a three yard catch in the flat to Michael Pittman to set up a third and five. Yeah. Just empty formation. Giants are just looking to stay healthy and get out of this <laughs> game. Good tackle by Fabian Moreau on Michael Pittman, who man, I, I love Michael Pittman in that draft class and he's a good receiver, Yeah, but uh, he's unfortunately on the Colts. I wish he was on the Giants though. That would be yeah, really cool nice to have a big, big body receiver who can attack you at all three levels of the field. Agreed. Now we have a third and five. This is the touchdown to Pittman here. The only touchdown the Giants defense gave up. It felt like maybe that this should have been called offensive pass interference on Moreau, but it's so hard to see from like even any of these angles. So I don't know. But in the end, Moreau ends up on the ground and Pittman's just wide open. Do you mean uh, you know offensive pass interference on on Pittman? On Pittman against, yeah. against Moreau? Yeah, I thought it was defensive holding on Moreau. Okay. Maybe that's it, what it is. It looks like he hugs him here and then like he's still hugging him. And I think he has his his hand on Pittman's hip, and then Pittman does kind of throw him to the ground. But I think it's because Moreau He's initiated contact. Yeah. Okay. But either way, like I mean, it doesn't really freaking matter at this point. Yeah. Completely and, agree. Yeah, Pittman was definitely advocating for the call, though. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> all right, so that's it for that. We'll run the last plays. It's all garbage time stuff, and we're getting to some superlatives while we do it. So while we're running those plays, Nick, let's dive into a couple things here. Let's start with your unheralded player of the game or your under. I'm going to start calling it underrated because I think everyone qualifies for unheralded, but I think it, it's clear if we say underrated. So let's just say unheralded slash underrated player of the game. Underrated player of the game. Like, I don't think Landon Collins could fall into that. So let's go with this Kayvon Thibodeau or no, that probably doesn't fall into it either. I'm just going to go with Nick McLeod, who seemed like he was in solid coverage a lot of the game and didn't get beat or anything of that nature because he was playing the Colts. But it's a little bit difficult to do this because the opponent is um, <laughs> so bad. But yeah, and I'm going to go with all like the whole time. That's why I'm yeah. going to go with Micah McFadden because this was okay. a good matchup for him, right, Nick? Like they didn't put him in conflict a lot in coverage, which is a good thing for McFadden and his where he's at right now as a player. And in the run game, he made a few really good plays, I thought. So I'll go with McFadden there. How about Heisman? I think it could have been Jalen Smith then, too. Yes, I was thinking either McFadden or Smith. Uh, like it. So how about for on uh, highest effort player on tape? Highest effort player? I'm going to go with Kayvon Thibodeau again, man. Too, like He was yeah. doing a lot of different effort type things. I think it could have been Dexter Lawrence. Could have been Xavier McKinney. Could have been a lot of players. But yeah, let's go with KT. 
I'll actually go with Xavier here because just alone that one play where he starts the line of scrimmage and works all the way back into the deep half is impressive. But I thought he showed good effort in run support too, which was important for the Giants. How about your best player on tape? Best player on tape? Dude, it's every time it kind of goes to like Dexter Lawrence, right? Like, yeah. I think I'm going to have to go with Dexter. I could go with Kayvon Thibodeau. I think Landon Collins had some good reps other than, you know, just the dominant rep of him having a pick six, which is my favorite play if that was one of the superlatives. But I'm going to go with Dexter Lawrence once again. It's close for me between Lawrence and Collins. I think Lawrence played the better game overall. Collins made a play that's worth so much more than anything Lawrence did, in my opinion, at least. Just for a pick six, it changes the whole game. But I'm going to go Lawrence because I think it's the fair thing is, like, who was the best player on film? And on film, Lawrence had more played a better game than Collins. That's not to knock Collins or anything. Just shows how good Lawrence is. So Lawrence gets it again. I know it's a broken record. And I have said in the past, I will, after week 18, like look back and listen to all the podcasts just for the listeners right now and total up all of our superlatives because I think it'll be cool to see. I'm excited to see how many best player of the game Dexter Lawrence won because it's going to be an absurd number um, for one player on one team. So anyway, we'll wrap up here with a pass rush grade, one through 10, and then a run defense grade, one through 10. Start with the pass rush grade. Okay, yeah, we'll we'll bring it back to our faces now. So pass rush grade, look, they didn't really need to do all that much, but they were effective. There was a lot of fire zone blitzes. There was a simulated pressure. Uh, I feel like the Giants were winning some of their one-on-one matchups, and Dexter Lawrence was split in double teams, but it wasn't like they were constantly harassing because there wasn't that much to harass with this <laughs> run-heavy approach from the Indianapolis Colts. Let's just go with a 7-5. I was going to say, even before you said it, I was going to say literally a 7-5. It's a 7-5 kind of game. It's just what it is. Like, they didn't throw the ball a lot. How about run defense, though? That's interesting. Yeah, run defense. Like, they surrendered some some solid gains to Zach Moss. You never want Zach Moss to be averaging 4.9 yards per carry against you. I felt like there was also some really good fills. So it wasn't great, but it wasn't terrible. Let's go with a 5.2. Damn it, dude. You're like reading my mind on these grades. It's wild. I was going to say 5-3, so I'm just going to stick with 5-3, even though it sounds a lot like you're graded. That's It's like about average, right? Like there was good fills. There's also like a lot of plays where they gave a good amount of yards to this offense that not only was like Zach Moss and their backups alignment, but also like showing run a lot. And not even just showing run, but just running the ball a ton. Thinking so. about it, I, I do think a lot of the situations just going through the film was literally just the Colts being in these crazy like second and eighteen. I know and still deciding to run the ball. Yeah, it's so and true. still running the ball. And the Giants were just like, all right, right, right you right. want it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, you want to kick a field goal at the five yard line? Fine, yeah. go for it, but go for it, guys, go for it. I mean, this is a disaster team, the Colts. We we can oh, see yeah. now, like the experiment of just hiring some dude off the street to coach a team. It's obviously not working out. And this is a lot of us predicted this was going to happen. They were hoping to catch lightning in a bottle, I guess, though I have a conspiracy theory that maybe Jim Mercer just wanted the better draft pick and was like, screw it. I don't need this season. I don't need to grind out wins and have dumbass wins that like ruin my draft position. I don't know. Just something think, I think would think about it from his, with Ursa. his perspective, man. Like yeah. you're like we said it, your quarterback freaking leaves and you're just recycling these vets. And it's like, bro, no, we're going to suck. We're going to freaking lose games. And right. we're going to get that Bryce young guy, that CJ Stroud guy, right. or whoever the hell we want. Like they want a chance on one of these top quarterbacks. You would have to imagine. Yeah. Personally, I can't blame them for that, but I know a lot of people are iffy on that, and it is what it is. It's a topic for another day. Luckily, we're not in the position where we have to have those conversations anymore, at least right now. Uh, anyway, thanks so much for listening to Big Blue Banter Podcast. Keep it locked and loaded. The playoffs are coming up. We're going to have you covered there. Otherwise, have a great rest of your week. We'll talk to you soon.
Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.